Well, I'm going to share a confession with you this morning, one that I have shared uh, in the past, but you may have missed it uh, if you weren't here. And, and it is this, that um, there, here's what I'll say. There, there are two types of people basically in the world, and I fall on one side and you probably fall on one side, but there are people who are flossers and there are people who are not flossers. And uh, I tend to fall on the side of not flossers. And I know, as I say that, there are even one or two dentists in the room who are horrified that I'm saying this from the front. Uh, but I went to the dentist a couple of weeks ago, and usually they ask me a question, and it's something like this, have you been flossing over the last, you know, however long since you came in? And, and sometimes I will answer something like this, yes, I have been flossing this morning when I woke up and remembered I needed to go to the dentist. I've been flossing. This time they asked me a different question that I felt I could answer more honestly. It was, have your flossing habits changed since the last time you came in? And I was like, I can answer that 100% honestly, no. They have not changed at all. If by change you mean have I gone from not flossing to always flossing. I read a a study that said 27% of adults lie about how much they floss. Uh, it's probably higher than that. My guess is that a good percentage of the remainder were lying to the people making the study, right? The reality is there was a list of things also in the survey, like, would you rather do this than floss? Like, what are things you would rather do? And there were people that were like, I would rather do the dishes than floss, like something like 28% of the population. I would rather scrub toilets than floss, some 20 plus percent of the, of the uh, population said, I would rather do almost anything but floss, right? But then there are some of you, you are a flosser. You wake up in the morning and you go to bed at night thinking about it. You love to floss. You arrange your day around flossing. You carry floss around in your car. You finish lunch with a friend. You go, I need to get to the car so I can floss, right? You think about it. It's on your mind. It's a habit. Now, why do I share this? Because for those of us that tend to fall to our shame on the side of not flossers, here's what I think. I think if you asked us, and I know this is true of me, if you're like, should you floss? I'm like, yes, I should. Is flossing a good thing to do? It absolutely is good. I believe in flossing, right? I I will talk to you about why flossing is important. I believe in it. I just don't do it, right? It's a habit I feel I should have, but I have struggled up to this point in my life to incorporate it into my life. Now, I share that because I think a lot of good habits are just like that. It may be you go, look, I believe I should pray, but I, I really struggle to actually pray, right? Like I believe prayer is powerful. I believe God hears our prayers. I believe prayer matters, but I struggle to actually pray, to get into that habit. I think giving is like that. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about giving, right? Being open-handed and generous. And I think for many of us, we would say, look, I believe in giving. I believe in being generous with what God has given me, giving to my local church, giving to missionaries, giving to those in need. I believe in being generous. But for many of us, we struggle to make generosity a regular and consistent habit of our lives, right? So we want to round a corner this morning. If you remember over the last several weeks, what we've done each week in this Every Knee series is we have laid out a different answer to this question. Why should we become generous and joyful givers, right? Why should we become generous and joyful givers? You remember there were four reasons up to now. First, because giving is an act of worship to God, 
who is worthy of all our worship. And we talked about how the Israelites brought the money to build the tabernacle because they wanted a place to worship God. And they said, God is worthy of all that we have and all that we are, right? Giving is an act of worship. We said giving to God's purposes is an investment in eternity. We talked about that concept. You can't take it with you when you die, but you can send it ahead, right? You can invest your resources. I can invest my resources in things that will last forever instead of things that will not, right? So giving is an investment in eternity. Thirdly, giving is the proper response to God's generosity. In other words, we give because we're rich, because God has given us more than we need, right? And then last week, we talked about how giving destroys our idols, that all of us have idols in our hearts and in our lives, things we are tempted to be a substitute, to make a substitute for God. And we said when we consciously open our hands and give, it destroys those idols, right? So hopefully over the last four weeks, you, you've walked away and thought, okay, I, I'm sold. I believe that giving is something I should do, right? I believe that generosity should be the attitude of my heart. But, but this morning where I want to turn is not the question of why, but instead this question now, how can we become generous and joyful givers, right? I want to round the corner and ask this question, what does it actually look like, practically speaking, to be a generous and joyful giver? Now, as Chris mentioned in the announcements earlier, this, as the, this is the last week of our Every Knee series. And if you remember from the beginning, we've been saying on the, on the final week, this is going to be our Commitment Sunday, right? So this is the morning that as a congregation at Grace Bible Church, we want to say, this is what I feel the Lord leading me to give toward Grace Bible Church, toward the Every Knee Initiative over the next couple of years, right? Our prayer has been in this whole time though, not primarily that we raise some particular amount of money, right? We have financial goals, okay? But the reality is we're, we're not in control of the results, What we really are praying for is this, that we will move as men and women of Jesus Christ to saying, look, I know I should give, I know I should be generous, to saying, now I want to do it. And wherever I'm starting, maybe if I'm starting at a zero point today, I say, you know what, there's no shame. I'm not going to leave here feeling shame about that. But instead, by the power of the Spirit, I I just want to take the first step. And maybe you have been giving regularly for years to the local church and to missionaries and to those in need. And you say, I'm going to pray about how God will push me a little further. But the goal this morning is to say, as we begin that journey together, I hope we see this is really just a starting point for the rest of our lives to say, how do I incorporate generosity into my heart? and into my life for the rest of my life. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. How can we become generous and joyful givers? I want to give four characteristics of generous and joyful givers somewhat briefly this morning. The first one is this. Generous and joyful givers give consistently. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 16, he said this. On the first day of every week, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, what is Paul getting at? He is talking to this church and he says, okay, the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? That's Sunday, right? Every Sunday when you gather to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says in response to his generosity, I want you to bring a sum in keeping with your income so that when I come, here's the idea, Paul would come 
to that church and that is where they would allocate money that would go to the spread of the gospel in their community and around the world. They would allocate money that would go to meet the needs of the church and of their community. And Paul says, what I want is every week on a consistent basis, we're setting that aside so that when I come, we don't have to scramble to go, okay, where, where, where is the money to do the work of the local church, right? One of the things that I have been praying for all of us in this process, because it may be uh, you're in various places in this process, but one of the things I've been praying is that all of us will learn to become people who give consistently, who give regularly, right? Not just as we say, look, I've got a little bit of extra money, but as we say, I want to make this a discipline in my life. Uh, those of you who have ever talked to a financial planner about your retirement, you know that one of the things that they will tell you is this. They'll say a phrase sometimes, pay yourself first, right? First, so that when you get that paycheck, you have that money toward your retirement account taken off the top. Because what's going to happen if you don't? You will think of something else that you ought to buy that you, and you won't save that money, right? So they're going to say, look, pay yourself first. Make it a habit. Make it consistent. The New Testament would say the same principle applies to how we give to the church, to how we give to missionaries, to how we give to the needs around us, that we go to that first, right? And again, for some, it may be this is, this is a new principle and you're really just beginning, right? I was thinking this week that, uh, you know, there, there's a parallel here, for example, if you say, look, I want to be healthy, I want to learn to exercise. I want to start eating better, right? What are you going to do? Well, anybody who is training you will probably not tell you, look, if you've never exercised regularly in your life, they're not going to say, I want you to set a goal that by May 31st, you will run a marathon, right? What's going to happen to you? You will hurt yourself. You will be discouraged and you will probably never exercise again, right? Because you can't get from zero to marathon, in the next 30 days or 60 days or whatever. What will they say? I want you to begin somewhere. And that beginning somewhere may mean, look, just walk 15 minutes a day. Right? It's not an end point. It's a beginning point. You walk 15 minutes a day and then say, you know what? I'm going to just run for like 30 seconds of that. And then you expand it and you, you continue to push, continue to grow. Same thing with eating healthy, right? You're not going to say, hey, look, I'm going to eat healthy. And so starting tomorrow, I'm not going to do the whole 30. I'm going to do the whole 10,000. Right? For the rest of my life, all I'm going to eat is grilled chicken and Brussels sprouts. That's it. Because I'm going to be healthy. What's going to happen? How long will that last? Like half a day. So what do you say? I'm going to go from eating four king-size Kit Kats a day to three. And I'm going to replace one with an apple. Right? Tomorrow I will replace one big Kit Kat with an apple. And then in another week, maybe I'll replace another one with some broccoli. And you, you make slow and steady changes, right? I think often giving is the same way. You, you're not going to go from, hey, I've never given consistently to I'm going to give 50% of my income in June. Instead, we say, God, where would you have me begin with a goal to continue to stretch, continue to move forward? So we want to begin a pattern of giving consistently Generous and joyful givers give consistently. Secondly, give sacrificially. Let me show you 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul says this about the church in Macedonia. Talking to this church in Corinth, he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial... 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Here's what he's saying. These believers in Macedonia heard about a need where the gospel could be shared, where there were needy people who needed their finances and and, and they offered to give. And it sounds like what happened is Paul said, look, you guys are poor. You need people to be giving money to you, right? But these Macedonians, he says, out of their poverty, they came back to Paul and they begged for the privilege of giving to the Lord's work, even though they didn't have much because they knew they were investing in something that would bring them joy for eternity. And I want to be clear, when we say give sacrificially, I'm not saying you need to starve your children or go move, you know, to live on a riverbank. Hey, we have a responsibility certainly to provide for our families. First Timothy 5, 8 actually says, the one who does not provide for his own is worse than an unbeliever, right? We have a responsibility to make sure that our families are clothed and fed, But I think the scripture would also call us to say, are there things that I'm spending my money on, my resources on that are not eternal that I could let go of, right? And and the amazing thing is when we're giving to something that we care about, that we believe in, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. I was thinking uh, about this week when I was the college pastor at Grace. Every spring, I would run into young men who were planning to get engaged sometime in April or May. And it was amazing how college guys who for three and a half years would say, I have no money, all of a sudden would find several thousand dollars to purchase a diamond ring. Right? How did they do it? I, I ran into guys that lived off of ramen noodles for months to buy that ring. They would sell their possessions. They would take odd jobs. They would scrape and scramble, right? When Shannon and I were about to get engaged, I had inherited some stock from a relative and I sold it in order to buy her ring, right? Now, here's what's amazing. I've never looked at her ring and regretted the money that I spent on it. Ever. I've never looked at it and thought, man, I wish I had that stock back, right? Every so often I go check the price, but then I quickly move on. Because here's the thing, like the joy of being married to her far exceeded the joy I would have had from hanging on to that pile of money. When we're giving towards something we care about, something we believe in, something we love, giving sacrificially doesn't feel like a sacrifice, right? I think the gospel is the same. When I open up my heart and my hands and I say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again. So I can have eternal life. And I want the world to know that when I give to missions and I give to the church, that brings me joy rather than pain. And so as we talk about how to become a generous and joyful giver, we aim to give consistently, to give sacrificially. And then thirdly, and this springs straight from the last point, to give freely, right? By freely, I mean this, not under a sense of obligation, but a sense of joy. Second Corinthians chapter nine, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful 
giver. And I, think, I think God loves a cheerful giver because God knows that giving ought to be a source of joy. And the more I learn to practice giving and the more you learn to practice giving, I think what happens often is the more cheerful we become about it because as I give to the gospel, I begin to hear stories of people who cross the threshold from darkness into life because of the ministry of somebody or a church that I gave toward. And that brings me a joy that could not be purchased with money, but instead springs from the work of Jesus Christ and his spirit. God, we we said this the very first week, God doesn't need our money. He really doesn't. We do not worship a God who's trying to pry your cash out of your closed, rigid fist. Right? But instead he says, this is what I want to do in the world to bring men and women to know Jesus Christ, to have eternal life. So do we want to give to that? Uh, next week, as you ought to know, is Mother's Day. Right? Men, you can thank me later for reminding you. But I want you to imagine for a second that on Mother's Day, you were to go to uh, the phone and you call your mom. And you say, Mom, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. She says, well, that's so nice of you to call. And you say, yeah, well, I have to. It's my obligation as your son to call. I don't want to, but I have to. It's an expectation. Hallmark says it. I've got to call. Now, how's that conversation going to go from that point on? Right, what if you have that conversation, heaven forbid, with your wife? How's that going to go? Very, very badly. Why? Because the reality is that when you say, happy Mother's Day, right, she wants it to spring from a heart of joy, to say, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for who you are. I'm grateful for how you serve and love our family. Happy Mother's Day. I bought you these flowers, and I spent $75 on the last four roses that were available at Albertsons or Kroger because I love you that much and I won't eat lunch this week because I love you. And it springs from a heart of joyful giving. I think God would say, look, I ask you to give not because God needs your money, because we need to experience the joy of giving. That's that's our hope. Not that we go, look, I better do this or else. I have to do this. They're making me do this. And instead, Paul would say, look, whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, whatever you can give joyfully. And I don't know what that number is for you. Only between you and the Lord can you determine what what is that number that I can say, look, I can give joyfully, knowing that I'm giving to the work of God. So we seek to give consistently, sacrificially, freely, and then fourthly, to give wisely. We've come back to this passage several times throughout our series over the last five weeks. But Matthew chapter six, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. All right, Jesus says, Store up for yourselves treasures that can never be taken away, that will last for eternity. Give to those things that will matter for eternity. Those of you who have kids, maybe you have experienced, you give them an allowance, right? Perhaps you give them a few dollars each week. And so 
they, they find ways to spend that money, right? So it may be that you are at the store one day, at the grocery store, and you walk in and there's something they see on the shelf that had never crossed their mind before you walk in the store, right? A stuffed duck or something like that. And they go, mom, dad, I have to, I have to have that, right? It's $13. Can I take an advance on the next month's allowance for that duck? Right, what, what, do you, what do you tend to say? Well, you don't necessarily always want to say no, right? So you think of a way to say yes. And so you look at them and you say something like this. If that's how you'd like to spend your money, then you may, right? So the implication is, I think it's a bad decision. But if that's how you, I feel like I should sometimes have a card that just says, if that's how you'd like to spend your money, right? And hand it to them, right? Perhaps you said that. Why? Because you have a heart for them to spend wisely to buy things that will last, things that will matter. You know that duck is gonna end up lost at the bottom of a bin within two or three hours. And I think God has a heart for us to invest in ways that are gonna bear eternal fruit, that are significant. And yet all too often, I think we, we take our money and I think God would say, okay, if that's what you would like to do. But man, I've got something so much greater. And so we want to invest wisely. And as we look at the scripture really quickly, there are, two areas of investment that I think the scripture calls us toward. One is this, simply to give to those in need. James chapter one, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now that word, that uh, Greek word to visit in the original language, it, it isn't a word that simply means like you pop by and say hi and then leave. It's actually a word that means to look after, to take care of, to give toward. It says those who worship God in the sight of God are called to give toward those in need. That's why as a church, we have community partnerships in this community where we give toward those in need. We have a fund where we give toward those in need. I'm sure that there are other organizations. Last fall, we had the Compassion Experience, an organization globally that gives toward those in need. We're called to give toward those who have need. And then secondly, we're called to give to the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the mission of every church that desires to follow Jesus Christ. It is, we wanna take the resources God has provided us and use those resources to share the good news of Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples from here until Jesus returns and every knee bows before Jesus Christ. And so we want to take our resources and pour them toward that. All right, so generous and joyful givers give consistently, sacrificially, freely, and wisely. Over the course of the five weeks, right, I, I want to reiterate again what our goals have been. In just a couple of moments, we're going to have a time of prayer and we will have the moment for, I know those who have been with us from the beginning, you may have your commitment card ready. You may need a few minutes to fill it out. But before we get to that moment where we turn those in, I want to reiterate, here, here have been the goals for us over the last five weeks. The first one is this, our primary goal. Each one of us and all of us together 
experiencing the joy of generously giving all that we have and all that we are to Jesus. Again, at the, the Throughout the course of these five weeks, I become increasingly convinced that even if we didn't have a financial set of goals on the table, we would need to talk about this because primarily our hearts need transformation. Then you remember as a church, we have some financial goals moving forward in order to participate in the work of the gospel. We talked about the everyday goal. That's our operating budget for the next two years, $6 million a year, so a total of $12 million. That's money that we would uh, be raising regardless of this initiative. This is our everyday budget. Secondly, our every neighbor. That $18 million is for the Creekside facility. We have the land down next to the Williams Creek neighborhood. Uh, We are in the architecture process and beginning the process of of the contractor working with us. And so our uh, hope is sometime in 2019, Lord willing, that facility will be completed. And then an additional amount to begin to prepare for an additional campus here in the Bryan College Station area. We're still determining where that will be. And then thirdly, the Every Nation. That is $2 million for two church plants, one domestically near a college campus here in the United States and another overseas near a strategic university campus. So all told, it's a $32 million goal that we, we believe strongly is going to go toward the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ here and around the world. Right, so, so in this process, that's what we're hoping for. A, a couple of weeks ago, about 10 days ago, we had at the Ice House in Bryan what we called our Advanced Commitment Night. Some of you were there where we as a congregation uh, came together. Some of us in the congregation who said, I want to lead out with my commitment to this initiative. And so we had a time of worship and some, some men and women placed their commitment cards already. They'll, they'll, they'll do another one actually this morning just because we don't know how the Lord may have been leading over the last week. But at the end of that event, uh, we asked some men and women uh, in our congregation, how has God been working in your life through the Every Knee Initiative? Right? And so I have a short video that I want to show before I give some more specific instructions for the remainder of the morning. So let's watch this video together, and then I'll have a few other things to say. I think Grace is just headed in such an amazing direction. I think that this is such a testament that it starts with humility. It starts with our hearts. And that from there, God really can work with that well. Well, I need to be giving like a little part of this um, that my parents are giving me right now so that when I am making more money and doing it, it's going to be easier for me um, to give to the Lord. And it's been so cool to see the Lord stretch uh, what I thought was a really large amount into an even larger amount. Um, It's been cool to see the Lord uh, really stretch that in my heart and in the lives uh, of the people around me. And I'm really excited to see what He's going to continue to do through this. It's interesting for this to happen kind of in the beginning of our time here and to see... um, just how we're going to play a part in the greater church of grace and in the greater body of Christ in College Station. Seeing that we have a goal really just pushes me forward in uh, wanting to, in fact, reach every single person in our community. It's not my time. It's not my life. It's not mine to, to choose and to, to take, but it's mine to give. Um, it's not my resources. It's definitely the Lord's. Everything that I have has been a gift from Him, and so it's my duty to give it back. I think thinking through the past couple of years, um, Grace's heart for the world is really has been really inspiring, and um, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see where the fourth plant might be, or and to see how God uses Creekside, and even what God does through the young adult ministry to reach every neighbor. 
we moved to College Station and, and started to attend uh, at Anderson for about six months, and then Southwood was open, and our entire home church moved to Southwood, and we saw how that church uh, filled up and grew over time, and and now how that's turned into Creekside. It's even more exciting to know that our church body has um, a, a vision to reach more people for the gospel, not just here in our community, but also around the world. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that the Lord has been teaching me um, through this and in general the past few months and weeks um, has been just about giving. Um, over the past few years, I'm in, I'm in college and I've worked a lot, um, but I still wore that mask of the broke college student that doesn't have any money. Um, but the reality is I, I have more than I need. God answered prayers. Um... I, I feel like I didn't even deserve. I never even prayed big enough um, for the gifts that I receive as a fellow. And so I think it was through witnessing people's generosity that I am now able to say, like, I have to give because people have given in the ministry that God has called me to through Grace Bible Church. And so now I am in a place where um, I, I can't not give. So that's what our hope is, that our hearts are transformed and that, that God continues to use this, this church to share the gospel. I'll say this, like, I, I do not believe in what we're doing because I'm a pastor on staff. I would say this, like, I'm a pastor on this staff. I, I wanted to work at this church because I believe so wholeheartedly in the work of what God is doing through Grace Bible Church and has done for 53 years now. And so, so my prayer is that, that he will continue to spread his name throughout the nations through us. A couple of comments on the card itself. On your chair this morning when you came in, Chris mentioned that there's an envelope. Inside the envelope are a few items. Let me just describe quickly what's in there. One is this card. You're going to end up putting that card back in the envelope in, in a couple of minutes. Some of you may have already filled one out. You may have come in this morning with one already filled out, so you don't need to fill out another one in the envelope. You can just take the one you already filled out. The number that really is significant here is that one where it says, my total two-year commitment. The the others are really just for your own work. If you want to fill that out, that's great. It's that that last big box that says, my total two-year commitment. Um, I want to mention again, and we've said this a few times, this is not a pledge card in the sense that I'm never going to see what you put on that card. Our elders are not going to see what you put on that card. The people who will see it are the same people who always see what you give to the church. And that's our finance team who has to record the gifts, right? So after you fill this out, you probably will get a letter of some kind just for your records as well as for ours that says, thank you for your commitment to Grace Bible Church. Here's how much. If you look at it and you go, that's a totally wrong number, you're going to want to pick up the phone and give them a call. Right? And so that, that's for our records. It's also a tool for you to go before the Lord and say, God, how would you have me participate? It's also a tool for us in terms of the big number. As we said, we're praying we will hear from the congregation to know where God is leading us and adjust accordingly. Right? The, the reason we are asking again for your name and, and contact info is so we can send that letter back for your records, but also to be honest, to make sure that it's a real person. Right? I'm not saying that any of your toddlers would fill out one and pledge $6 million necessarily, but, but it does help us. Your kids, if they're here, they are more than welcome to fill one out, um, but it still is helpful if they put their name as well so we can trace it back to a real person and know that it's a real 
commitment. All right, so, so in, in a few minutes, there's going to be a moment of instrumental music um, and some time of reflection. Uh, it may be you've already filled it out and you're just waiting. If that's the case, spend that time in prayer for the rest of us in the room. Spend that time in prayer for what God is going to do through our church over the next several years through this initiative. And maybe you came in, you're still thinking about it, you're still wrestling with it, and you sense God is stretching you in some way. Take this time to pray and then to think and then to fill out the card. Uh, It may be, as Chris said earlier, this is like the first time you've ever come in and you're like, what's going on? If that's the case, we are not asking you to participate in the initiative. We're just saying, please pray for us. And then secondly, uh, think about if you have a church that you go to, if you're coming in from out of town and there's a church that you go to somewhere else, begin to pray and think, how can you utilize your resources for the ministry of the church you attend? So we're going to have a moment to fill that out. The other thing that is in your envelope is a bookmark, a little bookmark. You're going to keep this bookmark. On the bookmark on the back, there are two blanks. I am praying for a particular person to find and follow Jesus. And I am praying for a place, a city or a country that I want the gospel to reach. Because we want to keep at the forefront of our mind that the reason we're doing this is so that the nations will know Jesus Christ, so that people will know Jesus Christ. So write down a name on there, write down a place on there. And then what's going to happen is this, as you drop the cards in a little bit into the buckets up here, these plastic buckets, after you do that, put your card in the envelope and drop it in there. That's for privacy purposes. So they don't pop open or anything like that to make sure they're secure. Drop it in there and then walk over to these boards that are over here and just write down the initials or like the first name of the person that you wrote down and then the place that you wrote down. Don't write their full name. Again, somebody in here may know them. And so we want for privacy's sake, just write down a first name or initials and then come, you'll come back to your chair and we're gonna continue in worship. So what will happen in a moment after this time of reflection is everybody will stand up, we will worship. And then as you're ready, you'll come forward. There are two stations at the front two stations at the back, so you can really go either direction, depending on which you're, which you're most comfortable with, where you are in the room, and then come back to your seat, and we will close up in worship. Um, let me pray for us for a moment, and then we'll have a time of reflection. Father, we are grateful for all that you're doing and have done through Grace Bible Church, and we pray for our hearts and minds now as we think, as we pray, as we write, as we fill out these cards. We pray that we would continue to seek your direction and leadership with the future of our church. We are so grateful for all you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Think, pray, write, and Johnny will come up in a few moments with further instructions. We're going to close our time together in worship. And uh, as you're ready... um, We'd invite you as we're worshiping to uh, drop your commitment cards in one of the uh, baskets up front, and there's a couple in the back. You can do either place. Um, and then um, remember, just put your commitment card in these uh, inside the envelope, and go ahead and hold on to your prayer card. And then after you've dropped your commitment card in, if you want to go to one of these boards, as Matt uh, said a few minutes ago, there's a couple in the back, a couple in the front. And just write those you're praying for, asking the Lord for, um, by initial or first name, as well as uh, if you want to put a city or a nation that you're wanting to ask the Lord just to move mightily and just um, 
use uh, the resources that we've uh, put together here in, in reaching these nations and cities and, and folks uh, through the lives that are represented right here. So uh, we're going to uh, just continue in worship. And um, as we do that, I'd ask you to stand and uh, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we um, just count you so worthy of uh, uh, these offerings we're going to give to you. Lord, you are worthy of our worship and worthy of our lives. And Lord, uh, we just ask you to extend yourself through these offerings we're going to give. Lord, extend your grace, your gospel, your truth, uh, Lord, to... Uh, the folks that we're praying for and to every tribe and tongue and people and nation uh, that we desire that your your truth and your gospel to, to spring forward through this little body right here at Creekside and, and the Grace family. Lord, we're excited to be a part of what you're doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. close us in prayer and I want to mention as we close if for any reason you were here this morning and maybe your spouse wasn't here or you didn't feel quite ready to turn in your card or if you know somebody who wasn't able to make it but still would like to participate two quick ways you can either bring it back next week and we will still have a place where you can turn it in or go to everyknee.org and you can actually fill it out online on the website on there so those two options. Uh, We are so grateful, so excited about what God is doing in our midst. Let me pray as we close. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this season that we have been in of thinking about and praying about and learning about how you would have us to participate in your great commission and in the spread of the gospel. Father, we we pray that this would not be an ending point for us when it comes to giving all we have and all that we are to Jesus, but really just a beginning point for the rest of our lives. We pray this wouldn't merely be a two-year initiative, but a lifetime commitment to Jesus Christ. Father, we're grateful for all you've provided, and we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.